0: Chapter Three of Workhouse Characters This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Workhouse Characters by Margaret Nevinson. Chapter Three A Welsh Sailor. I will go back to the great sweet mother, mother and lover of men, the sea the master of the casual ward rattled his keys pompously in the lock of the high workhouse gates and the shivering tramps entered the yard a battered and footsore procession of this world's failures the outcast and downtrodden in the fierce struggle for existence some of them were young and strong some old and feeble all wan and white with hunger and the chill of the november fog which wrapped like a wet blanket round their ill-clothed bodies amongst them was an old man with ear-rings and thick curly white hair with broad shoulders and rolling gait and as he passed i seemed to feel the salt wind of the sea blowing in my face and the plunge of the good ship in the billows of the bay one by one the master shut them up in the dreary little cell where each man is locked for thirty-six hours on a dietary of porridge cheese and bread and ten hours work a day at stone-breaking or fiber-picking. And yet the men walk in with something approaching relief on their weary faces. The hot bath will restore circulation, and really, to appreciate a bed, one should wander the streets through a winter's night, or lodge with Miss Screen, as they term sleeping on the heath. Half an hour later, as I sat in one of the sick wards, I felt once again the salt freshness of the air above the iotaform and carbolic, and laying on the ambulance I saw the curly white head of the old sailor, his face blanched under its tan. Fainted in the bath. No food for three days. We get them in sometimes, like that, from the casual ward. "'Wait a moment till I put the pillow straight,' said the nurse." as quickly and deftly she raised the hoary head which has been called the crown of glory a few weeks later i passed through the ward and saw the old man still lying in bed his sleeves were rolled up and his nightshirt loose at his throat and i saw his arms and chest tattooed gorgeously with the ships and anchors and flags with hearts and hands and the red dragon of wales he's been very bad said the nurse bronchitis and great weakness been starving for weeks the doctor thinks talks english all right when his temperature is down but raves to himself in a sort of double dutch no one can understand though we have french and germans and russians in the ward finu, Finu paham ym gatewaste cried the old man and i recognized the cry from the cross my god my god why hast thou forsaken me o oh, lady he exclaimed as i sat down beside him Oh lady get me out of this my mates tell me as i'm in the workhouse and if my old mother knew it would kill her it would indeed yes lady i follow the sea went off with my old dad when i was eight years old we sailed our old ship Polybock, for well nigh forty years and then she floundered off bushy island reef torres straits and we'd lost nearly all we had "'After that I sailed with Captain Jones, of the High Flyer, as first mate. "'But now he's dead I can't get a job no-how. "'I'm too old, and I've lost my left hand. "'Some tackle got loose in a storm and fell upon it, "'and though the hook is wonderfully handy, "'they won't enter me any more as an A.B. "'I'm a skipper of an ancient time, a chantyman and a fiddler. "'I can navigate, checking the chronometer by lunar observation.' I can rig a ship from rail to truck. I can reef, hand-steer, and set and take in a topmast studding-sail. I can show the young fools how to use a marlin-spike. Yes, indeed. But all this is no good now. I came up to London to find an old shipmate, Hugh Pugh. We sailed together fifty years ago, but he left the sea when he got married and started in the milk business in London. We was always good mates, and he said to me not long ago, down in Wales, that the Lord had prospered him, and that I was to turn to him in any trouble. So when my skipper died, I remembered me of Hugh Pugh, and slung my bundle to come and find him. Folks was wonderful kind to me along the road, and I sailed along in fair weather till I got to London, and then I was fair frightened. Navigation is very difficult along the streets. THE CRAFT'S TOO CROWDED, AND FOLKS WERE SHOCKING, HARD, AND UNKIND. I CRUISED ABOUT FOR A LONG TIME, BUT LONDON'S A BIGGER PLACE THAN I THOUGHT, KNOWING ONLY THE DOCKS, AND DAVID EVANS DOESN'T SEEM TO HAVE GOT THE ADDRESS QUITE SHIPSHAPE, AND I JUST DRIFTED AND LOST FAITH. SOMEHOW IT'S HARDER TO TRUST IN THE LORD IN LONDON THAN ON THE HIGH SEAS. THEN THE MATES TELL ME I FAINTED AND WAS BROUGHT INTO THE SHIP'S HOSPITAL and here i've lain a-coughing and a-burning and a-shivering with queer tunes a-playing in my head i couldn't remember the english they say and talked only Welsh, and they thought i was a dutchman this morning i felt a slight better and though the nurse told me not to get up i just tried to put on my clothes and go but blowed if my legs didn't behave shocking rolled to larboard rolled to starboard and then pitched me headlong so that i thought i'd shivered all my timbers so i suppose i must lie at anchor a bit longer my legs will never stand the homeward voyage they're that rotten and barnacled but i'll never get better here what i'm sickening for is the sea the sight of her and the smell of her and the noise of the waves round the helm she and me's never been parted before for more than two days "'and I'm as sick for her as a man for his lass. "'Oh, dear, oh, dear, if I could only find Hugh Pugh!' "'I suggested that there was a penny post. "'Yes, lady, but to tell the truth, I haven't got a stamp, nor yet a penny. "'And David Evans hasn't got the address ship-shape. "'The policeman laughed in my face when I asked him where Hugh Pugh lived, "'and said I must get it writ down better than that for London.' out of his locker he drew a welsh testament containing a piece of tobacco-stained paper on which was written hugh pugh master mariner now dairyman in a big house in a southeastern road off the north road out of london noreast by Nor." fortunately hugh pugh is not a common name a visit to the library a search in the trade directory and a telephone communication saved all further cruising a couple of days later i got a letter from hugh pew dear madam thank you for your communication with regard to my old friend and shipmate joshua howell of whom i had lost sight i am glad to say i am in a position to find him some work at once having given up my london business to my sons and taken a house down by the sea i am in want of a good waterman to manage a ferry-boat over the river and to take charge of a small yacht and i know that i can trust old joshua with one hand better than most men with two there is a cottage on the shore where he can live with his mother and tell him we shall all be delighted to welcome an old friend and shipmate my daughter is coming down here shortly with her children and will be very glad for joshua to travel with her she will call and make arrangements for him to go to her house as soon as he is well enough to be moved. I enclose five pounds for clothes or any immediate expenses, and am sorry that my old friend has been through such privations. As to any expense for his keep at the infirmary, I will hold myself responsible. Yours faithfully, Hugh Pugh Lan December 6th a welch letter was enclosed for the old sailor over which he poured with tears of joy running down his cheeks a few days later hugh pew's daughter's motor throbbed at the front door of the workhouse and the old tar rolled round shaking hands vigorously with the mates Goodbye, goodbye, good the lord has brought me out of the stormy waters and is smooth sailing now he'll do the same for you mates if you trust him Then the door closed and the fresh breeze dropped and it seemed as if the ward grew dark and gray. End of chapter 3